if I want something, you know, it's not a seat of the pants type of thought. When I decided to go to medical school, I sat down, I talked with my wife and my family. We came up with a plan. It took several years of me going to pre-medical classes at night or early in the morning and working my way towards that while working on my business. So I would tell people to start with a plan in mind and a framework and don't give up on that. Go back and look at it every once in a while and figure out what steps you need to take next to make this goal that you have happen. A midlife career change takes gumption, but going from an auto mechanic to a medical doctor in your 40s, oh, that's rock star bucket list career material. Welcome back to the show. I'm Krista Laurie. Dr. Carl Allenby joining me on the podcast today. You heard a bit from him at the beginning. He's an emergency medicine resident physician at Cleveland Clinic Akron General. This after 25 years as a business owner and professional automotive technician. I love this story and this pivot. In this episode, Dr. Allenby shares how a kid from Cleveland who he didn't grow up with much said to himself, it's not too late. And he shares what it takes to get past the, I don't know if I can do this block, which he dealt with and he overcame it. There are takeaways we can all apply in this one. Let's take a listen. Dr. Allenby, thanks so much for being on Bucket List Careers. I know you took time out of your very busy days at the ER, and I'm just genuinely excited to share your story with everyone. Well, Krista, thanks for having me today. I really appreciate you wanting me to come on and speak about my experience and changing my career. I mean, who qualifies better for bucket list careers than this theme? I actually wonder statistically, how many people would fit your profile? An auto mechanic, a business owner who decides to go to medical school in his 40s. It's quite rare. I must say, there were a couple older people in my class, too. There was one person who used to be a business owner as well. They ended up not graduating with me. They had some reasons that they had to take a little bit of time off for but by far, I was the oldest graduate of my class. So not too many demographics that fit, especially the auto mechanic piece of it. Yeah, you are singular for sure. Let's dial it back to your origins, because from what I've read about you, you do talk about how growing up in Cleveland, the way you did, affected your choices. And while you had the dream of being a doctor early on, you just didn't think it was realistic. Yeah, sure. You know, growing up in a poor, impoverished community with schools that were subpar, I must say, and just not a lot of economic opportunity around you or having people who you could emulate yourself after made it exceptionally difficult to even picture myself as being a doctor. You know, although I had that motivation when I was a young person and saw the doctor in the emergency department when we would go there for our rare or sometimes frequent injuries because we didn't have primary care. A lot of times we showed up at the ER in order to get whatever we needed. And I was always impressed by what the doctors and nurses were able to do for us. And I had that idea, but some way along the way of just growing up in a bad neighborhood and having to make decisions based upon sometimes just basic survival mm-hmm. didn't really prompt you to go towards a life of medicine that has a lot of sacrifices and takes a lot of financial resources and examples of people who have done it before so that you could kind of know what to expect as you're going through the whole process, because it is a very long process. We'll get into that later and what that was like 
for a midlife career change, putting all those years in, but still staying in the time frame of your early years, you did become an auto mechanic. So how did that come about? A friend of my dad's had hired me at this parts store, and I had always been tinkering on cars ever since I was a young guy. Mm -hmm. But when I was in high school, I really didn't have many opportunities for jobs. And this guy remembered me helping out my dad with uh, some part-time photography that he used to do and gave me a shot at working at his auto parts store. So I worked as a delivery driver and worked my way up to a counter salesman. But people would come in all the time and ask, hey, do you know anybody who could put these parts on and I'm buying starter or spark plugs or whatever? Mm -hmm. And so I would fix cars in the parking lot at night. My boss didn't mind. But by the age of 19, I was only making minimum wage at this job. So I was making far more by fixing cars, but it was uh, kind of infrequent. But by the age of 19, I had enough customers. And I remember I got a $500 Sears credit card that I applied for in the mail. And I used it as capital to buy a few more tools. And there was a gentleman across the street who had a large shop and who decided to ask me if I wanted to rent some space from him. So I took a chance <laughs> and uh, took my $500 Sears credit card and a little bit that I had saved up and I started my own business. And by the age of 19, you know, I had things going. On top of that, going to school at nights for automotive technology as well. But then at some point you decided to go for a college business degree. What sparked that change in you? Because you obviously had an entrepreneurial interest from an early age. But why, after a certain point, did you feel that hunger to go for more? Yeah, my business continued to grow over the 25 years, over the first 15 years, it had grown dramatically. I'd really gotten used to being a business owner and I was hiring people from around the neighborhood and things were just going really well. Sales were always good and I was able to open up a used car business as well in addition to the auto repair business. But I felt like something was missing and I felt like I really wanted to grow my business I had just opened up a second repair shop and, you know, just kind of struggling with all of the things that come along with small business ownership. And I felt like if I wanted to continue to grow my business, that I needed like a foundational education in business. Because prior to that, the only training that I had was like automotive technology and a few like industry sponsored training courses for like business management. Right. So no formal degree. So I think it was about in 2005, I decided to enroll in school. I found this night program that allowed you to take classes at night for four years and earn a business degree. And I had what I thought was going to happen after that was that I would go into an MBA program right? and was really seeking out some MBA programs like towards my last year of college. Mm -hmm. So I did really well in college. Now, let me tell you, in high school, I didn't do so well because you know, you're just trying to fit in. You're trying to survive. You're trying not to get picked on and teased about whatever mm -hmm. clothes that you're wearing that are out of fashion. Because I think <laughs> bell bottoms were way out by the 80s. They're back, by the way. <laughs> I hope you held on to them. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see what my mom may have saved in her basement. <laughs> right. But it wasn't your focus. You weren't necessarily the student you became in college. Yeah. But in college, I mean, I just thrived in there. I got straight A's through everything that I was doing. I mean, I just loved the learning environment. I had always enjoyed learning, but sometimes you're not the cool kid if you're getting good grades. Totally. But then I read something about a biology class that you took that really, yeah. I'm sometimes looking for this pivotal moment. It doesn't always exist. Sometimes it's an evolution of choices that leads you to your most authentic self. What changed in you that said, oh, I'm going to listen to that inner voice now because actually I'm really interested in biology? 
Yeah, it was a light switch for me, really. I was forced to take this biology class. Had nothing to do with business. I'm like, why right. Why are you making me take this biology class? I, I know I'm supposed to take it first semester, but I waited till my last year in business school mm-hmm. and uh, was forced to take it and walked into the class. And it was taught by a radiologist, oncologist, physician at Cleveland Clinic. He was a resident at the time. But when he came in to teach us, like that first day, he lit up and was just so full of knowledge and so incredibly excited about medicine and what he was able to do for people. And I have been doing a lot for people my whole life, you know, in my automotive business and doing a lot of things for charity and all. But to take care of somebody in some of their greatest times of need, just really impressive to me. And within one hour of sitting in that class, I knew that I had to go after something in medicine. I knew that the next Carl wasn't going to be the automotive guy, the business owner, that the next Carl was going to be something that had to do with medicine. And so you went to Northeast Ohio Medical University. What was that like enrolling a little bit later in life? Like you said, I'm sure there are some people that aren't just coming right out of college. What were some of the roadblocks that you were able to navigate? Well, I always say one of the biggest obstacles that anybody will ever face in life is themselves the own limitations that they place on themselves and the beliefs that they may have accumulated over a lifetime. Sometimes those are the things that could get in the way the most. What do you mean like negative mental clutter? Like, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. I'm not good enough for this, that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, do I fit in here? Am I smart enough? The background that I came from, am I going to be able to weather the financial responsibilities that it takes to be in medicine? Sure. I was there with kids who were my kid's age. (laughs) Right. And that's got to be intimidating to some extent. So what pulled you through that? I don't know. I think just a strong work ethic. You know, I learned early on that if I was going to obtain anything that I was going to have to work really hard at it, because I could tell you, it's hardly ever that I've been able to take the easy way out. There's never been a rich uncle to help me out or uh, right. when I went into college, I was only the second person in my family to ever go to college, well, to graduate from college. Wow, that's awesome. So there were a lot of difficulties along with that. So I just had to constantly believe in myself. And going through business, you tend to have all these moments of self-doubt. So I've always read like self-help books, self-awareness books, just way to improve on myself. I've always had a lot of kids or employees or community counting on me. So I've learned long ago how to fulfill those needs and how to keep myself sane. And then also I go and work out almost every day even still. Yeah. How do you find the time for that? (laughs) You know, I don't know. (laughs) Somehow I just pull up at the gym and here I am working out and I usually get an hour in or so. And I'm able to do that pretty consistently, usually four or five days a week, I'm able to work out, but I just fit it into my day. I've been doing it for so long that it's just part of who I am. Tell me about emergency medicine in the pandemic. I also read that you feel your background as a mechanic and a lot of the things that you learned along the way on your path have helped you as a physician. What has served you in all this? Yeah. So let me start off first with some of the parallels between my automotive business and medicine that I see now. It's the people who would come into my auto repair shop for their preventative maintenance, who would show up regularly and ask me, what does my car need today? Or I'm at this mileage, what should I do? Yeah. And it was those people who came in who really took meticulous care of their vehicle and allowed me to be the professional for them. 
and to advise them on the best way to get the most life and longevity out of their product. And I see that same kind of dynamic in medicine too, especially around this pandemic. People have chronic issues and most people or some people have regular doctors that they're able to go see. Yeah. And I've just noticed that particular trend that the people who are able to take care of themselves better, make their appointments to show up for follow-up visits, typically have fewer costs, much less disruption in their life when things do happen. Yeah. And they don't suffer those large breakdowns, I should say, that I used to see in the automotive industry. As you know, people who don't change the oil or the transmission fluid or coolant, they're replacing transmissions and water pumps and engines much earlier than they should. And if they took very good care of their car. Yeah, that is a parallel. Yeah. Yeah. So I see that same dynamic and I see that same thing playing out now because people are resistant to come to the hospital for a lot of those basic needs that they need because they're afraid of the pandemic. They're afraid of coronavirus. And place where I work at, Cleveland Clinic, they've done a miraculous job. And I think other hospital systems too around the area have done a miraculous job of protecting their patients, of knowing that they need to come in for these frequent services and take good care of themselves, because that's going to lessen the amount of time that they end up spending in the hospital later, or the problems that they may face because they neglected to take care of their chronic needs. Yeah. So I'm just urging everybody who's listening to this to start going to your doctor's appointments, show up because in the ER, I see people who have waited far too long to get help. Right. And once you get past that point, it's harder to find the care that you need, I would imagine. Has the vaccine helped the numbers again? Are you seeing some normalcy with the percentages of people who have received the vaccine thus far? Uh, I have. I mean, the numbers have definitely improved from the early days. Mm -hmm. I don't see as many sick people coming into the emergency department. We still do a great job of segregating people who may have like COVID-like symptoms so that they're not combined with the regular population so that everybody gets sick. Sure. And that's gotten a lot better through our vaccination programs, through our awareness that we need to wear masks and properly socially distance and to just do those things that are going to protect us long term. So that's definitely improved, but there's still a lot of disease out there. People are still getting sick. Still daily, I see two or three patients who come in with coronavirus. Some of them suspect that they had it and some of them don't. But what I must tell you, though, is that it seems that most people who come in and they get diagnosed with coronavirus or they suspect that they have it, they can trace it back to an event or something that they went to, a big family gathering or a party that they went to or some of that sort where they could directly trace it back to where they think they contracted it from. Right. Even like with my coworkers who may have contracted coronavirus, nobody has said, I think I got it from work. Everybody <laughs> yeah. that I know has been able to say, hey, I went to this family gathering and next thing you know, two or three days later, I was sick. I feel much more protected since I got the vaccination. I got the Moderna. My wife got Pfizer. My younger kids are too young to get the vaccination uh, right now. I got my first dose of Pfizer and my 18-year-old is getting her first dose this week now that 16 and up in New York. So awesome. we are on board for sure. Let's talk about that nine years that you had to spend to become a physician. And you did this later in life. A midlife career change is always admirable. I always think it's so brave. If you're interested in bucket list careers, possibly you're interested in a change. So how did you get your mindset to the point where you could take that on? Well, first of all, this is the benefit of getting older. Time goes by in a flash. <laughs> <laughs> 
I like you. You have a lot of silver linings to you. Yes, there are some <laughs> benefits to getting older. Yeah, my nine years may <laughs> be only like four years. This is like dog years or something that we're talking about. <laughs> some kind of weird conversion like that. That's funny. But my nine years may seem just like three years to me, uh, you know, compared <laughs> to like a younger person. But no, seriously, I like to make goals. Every year I would sit down by myself and with my children and sometimes force them. Now they do it more readily, my older ones, but to put down some kind of goals in life that they want to obtain, whether it be short-term goals or very long-term goals. And that's something that I do. Like if I want something, you know, it's not a seat of the pants type of thought. When I decided to go to medical school, I sat down, I talked with my wife and my family. We came up with a plan. It took several years of me going to pre-medical classes at night or early in the morning and working my way towards that while working on my business. So I would tell people to start with a plan in mind and a framework and don't give up on that. Go back and look at it every once in a while and figure out what steps you need to take next to make this goal that you have happen. And that's the way that I've essentially been able to navigate this whole process. This nine years was through initial good planning and then also sticking to the ideas and sticking to the belief that I can do it. And then also being around positive minded people who could feed that into me as well. Cause my wife, Kim, she's just been super being one of my biggest cheerleaders and just pushing me on. And even when I'm tired and the kids are missing me, she's like, honey, I know, I know you need to go study. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to make you go study, get out of the house. And I don't want to see you at midnight. <laughs> She sounds yeah. awesome. Go, Kim. But that support is so critical, I think, when you're making such an enormous life change. Yeah, it definitely is, because you have to have other people who believe in you and who could see that you could obtain these things. Because, you know, a lot of my motivation for change has come from other people, not necessarily within myself, but people who are standing on the outside, hmm. who see the things that you're doing or see the things that you're capable of and can say, hey, Carl, you're doing great here. Keep going. Or maybe look at this direction or that direction. Just people who could lead you in the right direction. We all need a little bit of that. And all of us are the sum of our experiences and the people who we hang around the most. We're a product of our environment, whether that's good or bad. This has been so much fun to have you on this podcast. I wish my format were longer because I, I keep it on the shorter side for podcasts. We're like a 25-minute show. I feel like you and I could probably do double that. Maybe we'll do an episode two. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. I'm looking if, forward to it. If that. I can tear you away, but thank you very much for your time and all that you do for us. You're an inspiration, so be well. Well, thank you so much. We'll have another Bucket List Careers journey for you next Wednesday. And you know, we're a few months into the podcast now. What do you think? Connect with me on social media at Bucket List Careers, Instagram or Facebook, and soon to be on TikTok. I'll keep you updated. Thanks so much, as always, for listening. An ironic media production. Visit us at ironicmedia.com.